Hello and welcome back to another week of Kent and the Steering Team. We've got a bit of a bumper episode this week. Uh, we've got two guests on the show. So as always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my good mate Philip, our good mate Bianca, and this week we have two lovely guests. We have Matt and Beck. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Hello, thank you for having us. That's all right. It's wonderful to have you both here. Um, unfortunately, Kent can't be here this week. He's actually made his way to the cinema as the cinemas have reopened today. Anyway, on with the show. Um, guys, welcome. Uh, we know at least one of you has a very successful podcast and the other, we can, we can hear you everywhere, Matt. Just everywhere. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can. I was just going to ask you, um, what film is Kent seeing? Now that the cinema's open. Ooh. Well, actually, they've been they've been screening some older films and I don't know some films from the last couple of years. I noticed. I, I was at the shops today and saw some things on. So my guess is that he probably went with Bohemian Rhapsody since it was playing today. But who knows? I guess he'll he'll memo us afterwards and we'll find he out. He can tell us what? about it next week. Yeah, that's that's true. What what I can say, which <laughs> if is if he makes it. Well, yeah, that's true. What I can say, yeah, that's funny, Drew. If he makes it, um, what I find most frustrating is the fact that cinemas are open in Australia. Everything's reopened in Australia, basically. I still can't get a haircut in this country. When, <laughs> when is it going to be my turn? When am I going to deserve things? This is really, really cruel. I think you just looking at you because we're on Zoom right now. I, yes. I think you are in desperate need. You're telling oh, me oh, I can I, yeah. I can cover my eyes. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting sight. Let me just put it, yeah, put <laughs> it that way. It's very I've... 2008, like Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire. <laughs> How yeah. Bianca, you went to you went to school with him. How close is his hair to what it was in high school? I've sent you pictures, so you know that <laughs> it's quite yes. long. Philip used to be able to like. Like I said, he used to have the Goblet of Fire, Ron Weasley, Daniel Radcliffe-esque. Oh, Ooh, look, wow. look, kind look, of Harry Potter-esque. Look, normally, normally a person would be quite offended by you know being slated like that, but <laughs> look, it is what it is. We just go with it. It's, it's there's it truth was, out there. It was very fashionable back then. It's not so fashionable now. <laughs> yeah, but the you, fortunate thing is, my country is still half in lockdown, so no one hmm. sees it. This is true. Can you still buy a pair of scissors, though? Maybe it's time for you to get confident and creative. No, because my girlfriend tried to do that, and she, uh, Sarah didn't do the... In fact, she took one crack and did one line and then started pissing herself laughing, to which I then terrifyingly jumped up and walked away from her and didn't allow her to do any more. But the hairdressers, the hairdressers are the first thing to reopen, and that is on Saturday, in fact, the 4th of July. So, but, but, so it's, what? two days from now but still that's the first thing mm. to reopen nothing else is open so well, you never look, know just like fallout boy fallout boy may make a return <laughs> they may have a hit single what do you mean soon. may make a return i appreciate i have it. tickets to see them in a few no. months which is oh. just not gonna happen no. <laughs> yeah do you though no well actually drew that speaking of tickets to things you know it's, it's great again like I, I didn't get to celebrate the anniversary or the um celebrate the day that I was meant to be at Ricky Gervais, which was a couple of weeks ago, um, because of Ooh. lockdown. So I'm not going to get to see that. But thankfully, he's managed to reschedule 
for January when I'll be back in Australia. So oh, so it. polite of him. Hey, man, at least yeah. I reckon everyone will do it when, like, this all blows over. There'll be so many more international tours. We'll make it back. It'll happen. He's never he, he's never been oh, to Australia, yeah. and he never will come to Australia, and he's always said that. So okay. my one chance well, of seeing Ricky Gervais, game over. Gone. That's, Maybe that's you, won't, you won't be allowed back for a longer time. Who knows? Yeah, true. Look, you know what? You know what? I, I can hold on to that as, um, you know, any sort of breadcrumbs to... to, to I mean... With a haircut that good, they'll let you in anywhere, Phil. Anyway, on with the show. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not anyway, just well. yes. ripping on Phil for the last ten minutes. Matt, welcome to the that podcast because that's that's oh. literally that's it. It's, that's it's it Phil's works. the worst human being in the world, and he's always the worst, and everyone hates me, right, guys? Mm. Yeah, welcome yeah, to ripping on Phil. It's a yeah. pleasure to be here. <laughs> 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 yes, but no, the attention shouldn't be on me. It should be on our guests, our lovely guests, our guests who have given up their time, who have given up um, mental capacity for an evening to discuss <laughs> with us uh, <laughs> their, their lives and, and how they got to where they are. And now, now, I think that we're quite lucky to have... You know, it's funny. Um, well, it's funny because Beck's a comedian, and that's funny. Like, hey, funny. <laughs> yeah, well mm. done. No, but mm. but, it, but it's, it's funny because, you know, you don't always... I mean, I, th- I think with with a, with comedian, you kind of think if you're the class clown in school, you think you have a chance, and then you kind of think maybe I have a shot at being a comedian. Yeah, but that's not how it works. It's not just that you are the funny one in school. There is so much more, I guess, thought. Well, I hope there's so much more thought that has to go into it than that, or otherwise I'd really miss out on, especially my primary school years. I, I think I went to the wrong thing. No, I'm not funny enough. Um, but I think it would be great to be able to pick the mind of of, of a comedian and 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 how you got to where you are and whether it was, you know, any sort of um, being jigged on by friends that got you to be where you are back. So I think it'd be interesting to ask you more questions on that. And so we'll do that. And Matt, you too. I mean, it's funny, you know, we all watch commercials, we all watch television and the fact, and we all listen to radio and the fact that we hear people's voices all the times on, you know, on TV everywhere. That's what 50% of television is, is, is audio to some people. It's a hundred percent of the, of, of television. Um, and even on radio, you know, like that, that's what it is. That's the medium. And so I think it's interesting that we don't always consider the fact that it is people's voices actually out there making what we listen to. So I think it's going to be interesting, Matt, to kind of hear, hear your side of that. And I know that, that, that you see or do very different parts to what we, that, you know, that the final product is and what we see. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be interesting to pick your mind on that. So I thank you again both for being here. Otherwise, our pleasure. Yeah, no problem. So, kicking right into it, with both of you, what, what was it that got you into each of your uh, passions here? Ladies first. Oh, Matt. Um. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! I was going to say that. Uh, uh, you're not quick enough, no. Philip. You're not quick enough. No. What did you I was, am am um, I answering no, the question first, or are you answering that question first, Beck? I think I think no, you should answer. I'll, the question I'll first. go for it because I slighted you, and I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, all right. That's fine. <laughs> um, I I didn't. Uh, sorry to disappoint you, Phil, but I didn't plan to do stand-up comedy at all, not for a second. Even better. Um, at the time, I was working as a personal trainer, uh, and I had been for like four years, and I was like, "Yep, 
this is my life trajectory. I might go back to uni if this doesn't work out, but that was it. Uh, and a guy that I was dating, uh, and dating is a strong term for what it was. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was his, his lifelong dream to be a stand up comedian. Uh, and so he Thief. took me along to an open, yeah, he, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> But so uh, we went along to an open mic night uh, together. It's for him to scope out, you know, what the competition was like. Uh, and I watched it and I was like, ah, oh, that looks fun as hell. I reckon I'm up for trying anything, always open to new things. And then we signed up, did it a week later. Uh, and he got up and crushed, like wrote out this whole set. It was so detailed. Like you could tell he'd been planning it for ages. And I got up and then I bombed I just bombed I was so bad I didn't know how to tell a joke but it was still the funnest five minutes of my life for me Phil you can relate to this not everyone's having a good time but you are uh (laughs) but then literally as soon as I stepped on stage I was like oh that's the thing like that's it like I'm gonna I'm not good now but I'm gonna find a way to get better at this because this is the fucking shit so yeah yeah that's the complete accident of how I got into comedy. Qu- question nice. for you. Question for you. Did he make it in the industry? <laughs> no. I was just about uh, to ask he... that. <laughs> <laughs> he did two more gigs uh, and then I never saw him ever again. Uh, but he's now building a house in Queensland with his wife or whatever. Uh, who cares? Boring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so do you, do, do you think... With some, like, glory, he watches your comedy acts and just, like, that could have been me. <laughs> oh, I wish it. he respected me that much, but I really think he doesn't care. Uh, <laughs> I think that Fair just enough. makes it In my dreams, you, I see that, you know, but I'm like, nah, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. That's a, oh. that's a great origin story. I'm really sorry, but that's uh, that's high up there. I rate that. Yeah, Thank that's, you. that's, be- that's better you. than anything I pictured. That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> and yourself, Matt. Yourself, Matt. You, you, you know, to be one of Sydney's leading um, voice actors, um, as well as being a theatre performer. Oh, like, wow. Like, where did where did that come from? What What's that about? What's the leap from, from acting to voice acting? It's not... Look, it's not a big... It's not a big leap. Like, it's... it's um it's very it's very similar i didn't start like same as beck i didn't start out wanting to be a a voice actor or a voiceover artist um it's something i fell into um i was doing i so i studied acting at a university um so i am trained uh and uh (laughs) part of the part of that training is um you study voice for three years Um, and you, yeah, you learn everything about your voice and voice health and, you know, how to make it sound better. Um, and, uh, graduating from, from university and then performing in Sydney in, you know, different, at different theaters, uh, one of the directors, um, she was also a television producer and she said to me, look, you should really try to, and, and try voiceover work. And I was like, yeah, fucked. I'm an actor. I'm not a voiceover artist. Like, yeah. piss off. Uh, and uh, she, she kept asking me and, and her husband was also a, a, a promo producer um, for different, different networks here. And, um, and they called me in to do a job 
just randomly one day for for Disney of all things. It was a Disney competition for better homes and gardens. Um, really? Yeah. This is this is wow. More than ten years ago, um, and I got in there and I had no idea what I was doing. Like none. I had no idea about microphone technique. I had no idea about light and shade for for recordings. I knew for theatre uh, and for television mm. and film, but not for for um audio recordings and uh i got in and and read the script very fast like there was no timing it was like done and they played it back and i heard my voice and i was like oh my fucking god this is incredible no i was like oh my god i didn't know i sounded like that That oh wow so you know it's good if you like the sound of your own voice that's a good voice yeah yeah i was like oh shit this is like you like whoa and uh and yeah and uh what the sound engineer at well this was at channel seven um just said to me hey you need to you need to do something with this uh and then i went off and looked for courses to do um and i found a two-day course at afters at the australian film television and radio school and so over one weekend i went in and and learnt with a whole bunch of other people who were um into community radio and then uh, all sorts of stuff. Uh, And again, the sound engineer there, Dave Stein is his name. He's still one of my good friends. Um, He heard me there um, and just said, look, you you need to really give this a serious go. (coughs) Uh, And so I spent, it was about six months with him after that weekend, just uh, two times a week in his, in the studio at Classic Rock FM, which is now Smooth FM. Um, just reading scripts for six months and just practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing and getting timings right and and getting a feel for selling selling products Mm. and sounding um, like I'm standing next to you talking to you about a particular product Um, and 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 it's funny you you say say that but that definitely come comes across I was listening to your um, your thingo, what a, what a great term for it. The that thingo, so really 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 I knew yeah. I knew yeah. I knew the word before. Right. I knew the word when I started the yeah. sentence, but then forgot <laughs> it when I got to the point that I needed to remember the word. Yeah, um, I was listening yeah. to your show reel, and and it, it does come across. You know, you, you hear it. Um, I might splice into th- that into here when I edit the podcast. Some journeys are better taken together. The Kia Grand Carnival is Australia's most affordable people mover. So how do you make it even more affordable? We get that it's hard to keep everyone happy, but we can help keep the peace. Dinner doesn't just appear when you open the fridge, but it will when you order with Uber Eats. Um, what I'm referring to, but, but, but you know, there's definitely... I can tell ones that you've recorded that, that sound like they're more for specific um, regions, if that makes sense. So it's mm. not... You know, some might sound like they're nationwide, some might sound like they're citywide, some mm-hmm. might sound like they're for an ad for a, a place or something like that. But yeah, you, you, it is interesting just listening to it and hear, being being able to, to discern the different mm. tones and, and who, who you're speaking to. And again, as if you're having a conversation, you'll, you'll talk in different ways if you're having conversations mm. with different peoples or for different things. Yeah, uh, look, and... Matt. Pro- yes, Beck, sorry. Yes. Sorry, no, you were, you were saying mm. things and then I interrupted. But I'm just curious, as a regular cretin, 
mm. who doesn't know how to take care of my voice. Because mm. you studied like a whole thing about how to take it. What's like the top three things people can do to have a sexy, smoothie, silky voice like yours? Um, <laughs> look, uh, voice care is uh, hydration is really important um, because it's it's a muscle like it's a muscle it really is a muscle like any other part of your body so yeah you've you've got to stay hydrated and you've got to be warmed up so um Mm -hmm. those are two things that if i know i'm going to be doing a big job um which could be like a tv show narration or it could be um uh you know interactive voice recordings which i have done um and they can be hours and hours of work um my best friend he is an award-winning um voice artist for and he voices audiobooks so he might spend uh you know up to 20 hours or more recording a an audiobook um wow. and so it, you stay hydrated and you you warm your voice up and um I, unfortunately some people have a good voice and some people don't <laughs> And it doesn't matter what you do, it's never like it's it's just never going to happen. Like you're either born with it or you or you're not. And you can work that's on it. Im- I was just going to say that's important to have a good voice for like mm. audio books and commercials, especially because I mean I listen to audio books and that voice becomes the voice of the character and mm. or voice of the product. Yeah, that's or the voice yes. of the product, and that's what you relate to it forever mm. like it's yeah so i it, it is very important to have a very good voice and if you don't have the voice you should not try <laughs> it's not it's not saying anything bad about you it's just saying you shouldn't try well well and it's and it's interesting on that bianca i i see i can remember when i was at tafe you know learning radio um you know i was told i had an ear for for production side Ooh. and you know it it, it it but no no but what's funny is that it took me forever to kind of respect that like it mm. took you, you know you, you just assume that you can be everything and it's it's such a far-fetched idea and it, and you know you have to be realistic with things but yeah i sold i had a good ear for, for the production mm. side and i didn't understand what they meant by that but but i i now i know what they mean by that and it's almost like you can't be offended by something when sometimes it's just literally the truth like you know you there's no point you know going after mm. something which is not right for you you know work on your strengths rather than try mm. and push something which is just a waste of time and it and it was it's true it's very accurate and I, and I i respect the the feedback enormously i think that's very very good that they did that but you're right matt you need to have some people have the voice some people don't and then it's just you know whether you can turn it up that tiny little bit more mm. and and refine it like you've been able to well Honing yeah a skill yeah it is it's like trying to restore an old car like if the basic i mean that's probably a terrible analogy but um but if you're restoring an old car and if it's if it's in you know if it's if it's got a good body work uh and then you can build on top of that yeah you have a great looking car at the end if none of that's there and it's all rusted out then you can't actually build anything on it. And I've had people in the past say to me, oh, I really want to be a voiceover artist as well. What can I do? <laughs> and it's like... Um, Stop talking through your you. nose. Yeah, <laughs> spray yeah, yeah. And, and look, I think... Um, I don't want to... You know, if people really want that, it's hard to have that conversation sometimes. But I think um, yeah. Beck was right in about reading 
the room in comedy, I do the same thing with, mm. with voice work as well. So I, I'm doing when I've got a script and I'm, I'm reading the, the room with the producers in it, sometimes they're not in the room. Sometimes they're, they're piped in via um, telephone like externally. Mm-hmm. So I don't get to, I don't get yeah. to see them. Uh, and they'll kind of just give me a roundabout idea of what they want. Like the, I think you've got a copy of the Uber ad that's there. Mm-hmm. There's like, I say one line in that whole yeah. ad. And that one line took 45 minutes to record because they wanted a particular like tone out of it. Um, mm. And sometimes that happens. You work and work and work and work on one, one line or one word um, and then other times you just get it in one go. Um, so do you find that you give them multiple takes when you're, when you're doing a job and they'll sift through and pick which one they find the most suitable by the end, or do they tend to know by the end of the recording, which one they want? They, yeah, they will ask for variations and often I'll give them variations, but more often than not, the first one that I give them is the one that they want is the one that they take at the end. Mm-hmm. So, wow. um, I think, I don't know, this might sound a bit, bit wanker of me, um, but part of my, no. um, my skill and the thing that I worked really hard on was being able to give, because time is money in this business. Like it's, it's yeah. time is money. And the, if they only have to pay for an hour in a sound, like in a studio, um, then that's better for the, for the client. So um, if you can produce it very, very quickly, then that's really great. So I was honing skills to get things done in one or two takes or three takes, um, which can be about 10 minutes. So I can come in booked for an hour. I come in and I do 10 minutes of recording and then I'm out. Um, So mostly it's, they'll go, that's it. You got it on the first one, but we need to do a second and a third just for safety. Yeah, um, sure. and, and then other times you'll get yeah, producers who are like, uh, I don't know, um, can you kind of uh, read it like you're with your friends at a Give pub? Give us more smile. And yeah, yeah. sometimes more, more smile, but sometimes you get these really abstract, you know, um, ideas of what they want when it's it's like, just let me have fun with it and I'll, I can kind of tell yeah. what you want. I went that sounds to, more like a director being wanky than anything. Yeah, like you know, they not not knowing their their place kind yeah. of thing. But do you do you yep. try and do that? Do you try and um, like hone into to that kind of thing and go, you know what? All right, so let's picture I'm at the pub with my mates, and do you mm. try and and do that, or do you just go, no, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do now and and punch out uh, the next attempt. Uh, well, it de- I mean, it depends. Sometimes, really, what they're asking for is me to just get in a little bit closer to the mic. So that it feels yeah. like I'm just talking, mm. like I'm right beside you. Or, oh, so or, you sound like Richard. Yeah, Mercer. yeah. I'm, I'm moving in closer to the mic, or I move back <laughs> off the mic, and I'm a bit further away from you, and there's a bit more space in the room. So there's there's things yeah. that I that I can do. Um, generally, I'll take on board what they're saying, and then I'll deliver something um, that it's interpretation. I'm interpreting the whole time. It's like in theatre, um, I'm interpreting a character based on the writer, like the writer putting something together. So. Mm. Yeah, it, it's you I, know, it's the same. I have one for you because I'm mm. I'm an ex music student and I mm-hmm. was a singer for a very long time. Um, one time, a, mu- a producer told me to hit the note like I was diving into a pool of pizza. How would you interpret that? Because that was always my favorite <laughs> direct. That was always my favorite piece of direction. 
please hit the note like you're diving into a pool of pizza. And I, I didn't know what to make of that. So I just want to know, as someone who records regularly, what, what do you make of that? <laughs> um, well, I might, before I answer the question, what do you guys think of that? I think it depends on what way you slice it. Oh, did you get that? <laughs> Fuck out. Jesus Christ. Um, um, that doesn't yeah. mean anything. It means it means dive into it as if you're diving into a pool of pizza. Sing the note as if joy. you're diving into the pool of pizza. Pool of pizza. I didn't get well, it. Well, it sounds like it's going to... Well, if it's fresh pizza, it's going to be scalding hot. So you have to be, like, really, like, rushed. It was a high are note. Are we talking Domino's or are we talking a pizza oh, shop? <laughs> pizza pie. What, what's Man, the weirdest bit of direction like, you've been given? I think he would have been like, "What are teenagers like? Pizza. What do they love to <laughs> I do? No, no. I, I was like twenty-three. Mm, we got to get time. her excited. Let's, Dive into the pizza. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this was like my early twenties. It was just like the most confusing thing ever. I just finished um, part of my composition course, and I had to record this thing, and they're just like. I need you to hit that note like you're diving into a pool of pizza. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't... I'll, <laughs> I'll try. And I, at the time, I was just like, I, I'm not that big of a fan of pizza. So, but okay, cool. <laughs> just... What was the, what song was it? It was one of my songs. I, right, I, I right, composed right, and okay. it just had a very high note in it. Right. And um... Then how dare he tells you how to sing it is my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I know. He doesn't know, so he doesn't know song. Name names. Yeah. Name names. I want to know who he is. It's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, I couldn't remember it if I think. I think his name was Thomas. He didn't yeah. well, I'm no, glad you forgot no, it because he's a forgettable man. Where is he now? Yeah. Probably dead. No one no cares. <laughs> But like, what's the strangest bit of direction? Where are you on this podcast? Killing it! Fuck that guy! Yes, yes. Kenton, the steering team, and our ten listeners probably drowned in a pool of pizza. (laughs) Fucking asshole. Well, he had a thing for pizza. Clearly, he probably gave everyone direction on pizza. You know, it's just my thought. Maybe he was hungry. Uh, Maybe Maybe. it's happened to us all before. You know. (laughs) Yeah, had pizza on the brain. Yeah, look, the weirdest, the the okay. Well, let let me answer the question about interpreting jumping into a pool of pizza. Um, uh, when I was at university, I was studying I was studying music uh, for singing for musical theatre, basically. Um, the one of the teachers there would always tell me to go when I had to go and hit a higher note to think low. So think low and then hit high, which I never really got that, but. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, I think it's to take away the anxiety of hitting that high note. So you're hitting a lower note that you're comfortable with, but going high. Maybe. I don't know. But jumping into a pool of pizza um, maybe uh, needs to be warmer and deeper and um, like a thicker sound. Do, does that, you know, what I mean? That It'd could be, be like, a cool interpretation. Yeah, that's how I would take it. I would take <laughs> it. If you're asking me to jump into a pizza, you want it to be warm and you want it to be, um, you know, this thick sound, um, comfortable. Make it cheesy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 You know, everyone loves warm pizza. It makes you, you know, I, it's, it's a party. I absolutely yeah. love that it was the most obscure thing that I've ever happened to me in my music thing, career, whatever it was. 
and you've taken it and made it sound completely plausible. So I kudos for that. That was well done. <laughs> this is what I mean by interpretation. You have to interpret it. You have to interpret things yeah. sometimes with people and, and, and I don't want to say I spun it for you, but you have to spin it to be positive. Because mm. yeah. there's sometimes in that recording studio, you can just get stuck on one word and it just becomes this really big negative experience. And it's like you're traveling down the road and it's like, oh my God, I'm about to hit the brick wall. The brick wall's there. It's coming. And you're always concentrating on the brick wall. You kind of need to take that away so that you can get through and move past it. And it doesn't become this block that you stumble on every time you go to hit it. I don't know if Beck finds the same thing in comedy with certain jokes that you, you know, you're worried about or, I don't know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I, there's there's jokes that you like. I there's a few jokes that I've had that I've done upwards of like a hundred times, and there's just something about it that doesn't hit. And then you throw away something in the middle of it one time, and all of a sudden it fixes the whole thing. But it's not something you could have come up if you sat down and you wrote for days and hours and hours. It never would have come to you. It was like literally just doing it over and over again until you found like the right audience and the right vibe and the right level of comfort to like throw whatever came into your mind at that time into the mix is what made it like come together. And it's so annoying because it's such a long process and I wish I was just like, nah, I'm smart and I write good jokes. And it's like, no, it takes a lot of coming up against a brick wall to be like, that's not how you do it. Fuckhead. Like, <laughs> no, actually, actually back on, on, on that, on the kind of the writing of, of jokes and writing of, of delivery and everything like that. Um, you know, when watching a stand-up comedian set, a lot of the time, um, I don't mean so much in terms of audience interaction, but in terms of, of of appearing to be very spontaneous and appearing to be very, you know, off-the-cusp kind of thing, is all of that rehearsed to, like, you know, the, 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 the you know, finest point you possibly can? Like, is the whole thing kind of... I refer to things like The Office, for example, um, where mm. in that every look at the camera and every remark and every kind of stutter or sigh is scripted and rehearsed um but comes across so naturally is it the same sort of sort of thing or are you kind of in between where you, where, it, where it is a little bit off the cusp but it is also um you know really refined and, and it is it is a a performance that you have you know fully you know tuned out yeah oh it is it's a thousand percent a refined of sorry sorry to pull the curtain down straight up no uh, no i appreciate it but appreciate it, it. <laughs> it is a huge part of stand-up comedy is making it look like you're making it up on the spot. And you're like, this just thought just came to, it's crazy that I have now like 15 minutes on this one, like very specific subject. Oh, crazy, <laughs> silly. Um, it's, and that, yeah, it, it's a huge, like I have a friend who has, um, how he flicks his hair and touches his nose in his set is routine every time he does a bit. So over the course of like a 10 minute joke that he's got in each beat, he will touch his hair and touch his nose at the exact same time. Cause he's rehearsed it so many times, but you would only know that if you'd seen him do it twice. The great thing about stand up yeah. comedy is it's mostly live. People don't usually listen to the albums or watch the shows more than once. So nobody knows. Yeah. So that's yeah, what makes exactly. it great. <laughs> uh, see, but see, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, and I in fact, mm. I, I think that, that, that adds such a, a cool degree to it to, to know, that because I often think about you know I often if I'm watching something or, or watching a performance live or I'm watching it on DVD or on Netflix or something you kind of you know or stand for example right back mm. <laughs> but you sometimes take a step back 
and you you think while you're watching it and enjoying it you go is this rehearsed how much of this is is you know is that kind of just um whether it be down to audience interaction i think audience interaction you're kind of looking for certain answers or certain ideas anyway mm. but but even still i think it's interesting to see and know because it's a skill in itself to be able to rehearse something to the point where it looks so natural um, that's mm. what a lot of radio is as well. You know, a lot of things that we yeah. love and enjoy is so rehearsed that it looks natural. Yeah. And the fact that Although we're on audience that. interaction, mm. just quickly on the audience interaction, there is, there's a real divide between, uh, comedians that comedians love and comedians that people love. And I think it comes mm. down to audience interaction. So for example, Jimmy Carr, right. Which everyone mm. loves and adores. His uh, heckler takedowns are all rehearsed. He's done them all a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're all pre-written. Yeah. He, has, right? he, has, Which is, he has go-to lines. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, rarely does he actually make up a spot. On the other hand, there is a comedian called Bill... Do you guys know Bill Burr? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So he is a comedian's comedian because his heckler takedowns take up whole shows. So I've seen him live twice... Once he did the rehearse show that he had written, the second time, five minutes in, a woman heckled him and he tore apart her life for the next 55 minutes and it was the best <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Like, he got so specific about this woman and everything. She he took down her husband. He took down the car that she drove. Like, he took down all of her kids. It was insane. And I was like, you're, like, that's a real fucking comedian to me who has a real skill that you can't touch. That can't be manufactured. That's quite impressive. Yeah. yeah oh, abs- yeah. Absolutely. It was crazy. Yeah. With and my comedy, I tried mental. to leave, like, I uh, air to, I guess, let moments happen. Like, I think it's very important yeah. to, especially if yeah. no one knows who the fuck you are, you can't really get up there and be like, this is my thing, and I know that you yeah. like me. A lot of my set for the first few minutes is like please like me please know that i acknowledge you and i want you to like me then we'll get into the stuff i've written but i need you to know that i'm really likable at the start <laughs> yeah no f- for sure but and and see i but but in some ways there's 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 a um there's an air of relatability and and which is i know a form of comedy in itself anyway but but also um or, or, or commentary on on real life, but but even still, it's it's the I find in some ways when I see performers that you know may not be you know blockbuster names in the industry, I find a, an extra level of kind of yeah relatability, but also I feel like I can I can I can um, enjoy it a bit more in the sense that that I'm not I'm not going into it with the expectation that I'm going to or I'm supposed to love this. I can kind of go into it and genuinely laugh and love the specifics of jokes and the ideas and stuff like that there's there's less of this expectation going in because it's not not a a name and be a little bit surprised by it yes surprised by it but Mm. also you know you you can enjoy it do do you do you have it uh, enjoy it in the sense that that it, it is refreshing um and i'm hearing someone who is genuinely funny and and if they are not so much in conversation ha ha funny but but are able to to think of something that's well thought out and and make sense i mean that's that's the greatest part to to comedy in, of all time i think um mm. do do you find that that people come up to you i mean do you have people come up to you after shows for example and and kind of talk to you about oh i can relate to, to that i can i can i can um you know that that is absolutely my life and and oh how did you know that how do you have the same thing or do you find that people just come up to you and say good job well done goodbye 
there's a there's a mix. Uh, the easiest one that people like often do, and usually it's out of politeness, is just like, oh yeah, it was good. The one that I get that seems to resonate <laughs> with a lot of people um, that I don't love is uh, a lot of people come and go, oh my god, I have herpes too, and I'm like, thank you, that's. Yeah. That's step what back, I wanted you to back. take away from that whole 20 hashtag, minute set was that you and me have the same STDs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Social distance <laughs> for me right now, please. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's making people feel comfortable with things that have happened to them. So I'm like, great. That's awesome. So, but also yeah, I'm like, no, we didn't need to bring it up outside of the stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, have you have you ever had any jokes? Herpes. This yes. is not. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still got um, it. Have you ever had, it doesn't go away. <laughs> the STD that keeps coming back. Um, yeah. No, I was going to say, do you have? Have you ever had any jokes that have fallen flat, and how do you recover from that? Because that's one thing that's I found like daunting about any idea of being on like stage and doing comedy would be oh my God, it's fallen flat. How do I recover? Because I've seen some terrible recoveries. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and I've, I've bombed so many times. I'm going to go ahead and say that most jokes, I'm going to say jokes that I've written have like a 70% miss, 30% hit rate. Um, <laughs> they're bad. Like there's like, you got to write a lot of bad comedy to get to like the good stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Were you cackling away yeah. back there? What happened that I missed? Oh no, Don't. sorry. My my grandfather just walked past and started talking, and I was just like, "No." All oh, right, <laughs> sorry. Right. I was like, "He's a he's a regular like, contributor." Oh he's, my god, oh, yeah. I knew it. Sorry, <laughs> he's a regular. <laughs> sorry. Oh, my grandfather doesn't speak English. Is he English single? Um. <laughs> well, yeah, actually. Well. <laughs> For real? Okay, okay, okay. We'll tee this up after the Zoom call. I'm interested. (laughs) Sorry, continue. Um, But a huge huge part of creativity is failing a lot. You have to do a lot of bad shit. Like, not all bad shit. Like, if you're bad all the time, like, give up. But, like, if you keep getting little wins and you eventually get into like a pretty like a heavy hit rate that's that's how i think that's the only way and people who say that they've never bombed are liars everyone in comedy has bombed and has done a bad gig and has cried in their car on the way home and thought what the hell am i doing with my life it's a rite of passage i'd assume Mm. yeah totally Mm. and i think it's what makes the highs so much like it makes you chase the highs so much more uh, I've gotten better over the years. When I first started comedy, a bomb would, like, ruin me. Like, I would be, like, if I had a bad gig, it would take me, like, it would take until the next good gig to recover, which might not be for weeks. Now, not so much. Now I'm just going to, like, ah, uh, they didn't like me. I wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It's only when I'm, like, now if I bomb in front of people that I know, that's the only time that it hurts. So if you guys came to a gig and I bombed, I would be, like, do not speak to me. I need to go sort out some things. <laughs> Yeah, it did not happen. Well, I'm sure yeah. in some ways. I'm sure in some ways, you know, you can almost um, you can use it. You can use the audience to your advantage if, if yeah, if you bomb, for example, and it's kind of like they didn't like like me. Well, maybe they weren't your kind of audience anyway. Maybe there wasn't a mm. specific, you know. So you can kind of use mm. that to your advantage for now. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> for now. Oh, I'll use it forever. I plan yeah. to be a middling comedian for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you, you head, head to the Enmore Theatre and your name's just absolutely up there flashing in lights and then suddenly you go there. No, they weren't my audience. They weren't for me. Yeah, no, they didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> exactly. Have you, ever, have you ever forgotten, again, talking about the fact that it was it, it's so rehearsed, as rehearsed as you can make it, have you ever kind of not bombed in the sense that a joke didn't land, but you've, you've kind of landed it and then you've forgotten where you're going next? Uh, oh, good question for the current times. That has never, ever, ever happened until lockdowns have ended now because none of the comedians have been gigging for like mm. four months. Uh, every, I've emceed two shows and on every show, everyone has forgot their punchline for the first time in ages. Like, really? people are like, wow. oh, God, oh. oh, I messed that up. Oh, my God, I didn't know. The, when they went there, and I like I've told like the start of a story instead of the end, and I was like, oh wow, this it really is a muscle, you know. It's really got to be yeah, worked. It's got to yeah. be massage, like the voice. Yeah. You got to work on it. You got to keep it tight. You can't just let it go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, on the voice, then Matt, in terms of what you do, I, I remember when I was at at, at radio school, basically. Um, when when we learnt things, we learnt things to do it line by line, line at a time. Mm. Oh, I said a Tessie pop. Then did you hear that? Um, did you, do you, is that how you do it or do you deliver the whole thing and that's it? And then you leave it for the producers to work with it and space it out and, you know, put the breaths in or, or, or do you deliver as one or do you have to do it line by line, breath in between? I deliver the whole thing. I deliver the whole thing okay. where it gets out of, I mean, it's interesting Beck talking about bombing. Um, and then, you know, when you first, you first start, um, and you you freak out and you're like oh my god and did they really like me or didn't they really like me um early into my career i it was only about six months in um i picked up the voice of mtv um and yeah yeah yeah, but it was also really stressful (laughs) um because one of the sessions that i went in for uh i read a particular i read an ad a promo and I left and, and as I was leaving, they had brought another guy in who read the same promo and I freaked. I was like, oh my God, they don't yeah. like me. I'm going to lose this job. Um, what am I going to do? I was on the, I left the studio and I was on, on the phone to a friend going, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm like, my career's over. And I was really upset. <laughs> and what I realized after, which was a couple of weeks later when they had me to come back in to record some new promos was that. MTV was playing in Australia and New Zealand and he was a Kiwi who was the voice of MTV for New Zealand. Oh, and no. I felt like a total dickhead. So relief. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it happens. It happens everywhere. And a lot of the time, I mean, early days, I was like faking it till I made it, you know. Like, I just would go in and I would pretend I knew what I was doing and just fumble my way through. And then it was the little inspirational bits that got picked up and used that producers would go, Oh my God, we didn't even think mm. about that. I didn't, th- mm. I, I had, I didn't think about that. Or I didn't think of the voice in that particular way or like one of them for MTV was like, they had this rock marathon or something. And I went in there and they wanted different versions. And I went in and went, rah, 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 you know, like full, you know, <laughs> full on, you know, rock, raw. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. producer was like, oh my God, yeah, we didn't even think of the voice like that. It was it was an angels and horns marathon. That's what it was. Angels and horns, now that oh I remember God. it. Yeah, so it was like, yeah, it was like Van Halen and then uh, ACDC and all this yeah. kind of 
stuff. Um, so uh, yeah, sometimes like I, I read in full blocks and then yep. um, I, they play it back for me and I self edit. So I will say, no, actually, I didn't like the way that I hit this particular word or I didn't like how I finished on that line. Um, mm. I think I could give it a little bit more. I could push this or I could change the, the you know, the intonation on, on some parts of it. Um, where a producer says, uh, okay, let's just do it line by line. That's when I go, oh, shit, this is going downhill. Because as soon as they say, I'll read it and you copy me, well, that's like mm. that's death. Oh, that is yeah. like, that's that's Good. voice that's voice over death. Yeah, it it really is, <laughs> and that's how you know like you're not giving them what you want. I haven't had that for oh not since the beginning of my voiceover Good. career have yeah. I had it. But when yeah, the the first time that happened and I was warned about it, I was told, you know, if a if a producer says to you, Okay, let's read it line by line or I'll read it first and then you copy me get out of there as quickly as you can like get out of there or change what you're doing or mix it up just do something different to what to what you're doing so well i'm sure it knocks the wind out of the sails you know you got no Mm. momentum with what you're saying you got no kind of there's no conversation to it you know you can't make it sound natural well you've got no ownership like the producer's Mm. taking away the ownership that you have uh, in that space to create and it's like well it's i'm not a robot i don't just get in there and just parrot lines out to you because when a producer says that to you they have a voice in their head but they're unable to express it um and it doesn't ever sound the way that they think it does when they say it to you and so that's where the the interpretation comes from but i i read the whole thing um i Mm -hmm. pick things back up i might do a couple of different reads um yeah i mean tv narration is much harder than than commercials than ads because there's more script and then it depends on what's playing in front of you. Like when I did world's, I did a whole bunch of world's scariest. I did world's scariest weather. I did world's scariest plane landings. I did world's, there's multiple, multiple things. Um, some of those moments in there are like the tsunami came up that happened in Japan all those years ago in world's world's scariest weather at the very end. And so it went from this kind of comical, you know, whoops, that car's been picked up by a hurricane. Whoa, I bet he's going to have a dizzy time, you know? And then at the end it was about the, yeah, it was about the tsunami. And so you had to bring the whole tone of the narration back down to, this is really serious. People died, you know, like it was affected a whole country. Wow. Um, So it, it, yeah, it, it goes from one extreme to the other but yeah i in all in just chunks not never line by never line by line good i'm glad to hear because i always disagreed with that yeah. and i always just felt a bit silly doing it i hated that that was yeah. a thing it is it, it is i don't think it's i don't think it's necessary because you're not going to nah. get every single line perfect and as a chunk of dialogue it can be really i don't want to say beautiful but it can be really good as a chunk, yeah. but then you take line by line by line by line, it doesn't doesn't always make sense. It breaks the flow completely. Yeah, I had a producer do it to me a couple of years ago for when they brought back the McOz burger. Yep. Um, I got called in for that and, and I said to the producer, look, can we just stop? And another trick that I have is I will take my I will take my headphones off so that I'm not getting a direct feed back. So um mm. 
it kind of can change the way that you read. And so he took headphones off and read it and he was like, yeah, perfect, great. So I kind of got myself out of a line by line read. That's kind of handy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very handy. I like that. Oh, I suddenly can't hear you anymore. I'm just doing it as a technique. <laughs> oh. for my own yeah, that works too. That's like, I don't, I'm sick of you talking to me. I'm just going to take this off and I'm going to read it. And it, it changes things. Do, do it can change things. Yeah. Now, now Beck, uh, obviously <clears throat> I think it would be a mistake to um, have you on and not discuss um, Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema. Now, oh, now yes, you've, that old now, thing. That old, that old thing. Now, you're very lucky you've got an absolute um, workhorse of a campaigner on my screen to my... Which way is this? My right? Uh, on mm-hmm. your screen, probably somewhere else. And to the audience, absolutely nowhere visually at all. And that is Drew. Drew is a massive advocate of the show. And because of him, even I've listened to it. I, 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 I um, honestly wouldn't have known about it without him campaigning for it um, so heavily. Uh, so send him a couple of dollars his way. No, I'm j- joking. Don't do that because uh, he'll have to share it with me. Um, if I had him, I would. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, where did the idea come from? Is it? Do you have a love of, of movies yourself, um, which kind of made you want to do it, or or, or is it is it um, purely because it is actually an interesting? It's an interesting way of looking at at cinema, and then working with it from there, and and kind of picking apart how it works and and does it relate does it fall for you or does it does it you know does it appeal to you or or not what was the ideas behind that because it's again it's a good idea oh thank you so much and thank you uh drew for your continued support of being the number one fan of the podcast uh (laughs) you're doing great work out there um Honestly, it came out of uh, my good friend and co-host, Alex J. We were uh, knocking back some wines and she'd been on a few dates with this guy and she's like, I really like him. You know, he's really cool, but he keeps trying to make me watch Lord of the Rings. I just don't want to. And I was like, yeah, why do guys do that? Like you having a good time. Then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you've got to see like double impact it's gonna change early you got it you haven't seen indiana jones what's wrong with you what do you mean you haven't seen star wars and you just feel under attack all of a sudden just because you missed out like 90 minutes of cinema somewhere (laughs) in your life and you're like i'll get around to it but why this fanfare why this these accusations why the judge and jury here telling me that my life is lesser because i haven't seen fucking terminator we're over it we hated it. And we were like, yeah, why does this keep happening? We're like, we should do a podcast about it. And we high-fived and we're like, that's sick. And then we forgot about it because we were drunk. Uh, <laughs> Naturally. But then, that's what happens. That's how the we, best we podcasts start. Exactly. But then we mentioned it to a few friends. We're like, oh, this is an idea. Uh, but then super producer uh, Alexi Taliopoulos, who uh, hosts... Uh, previously the Blank Slate podcast. Now he does a total reboot as well as uh, the Mic Check podcast. And what's the other one that he does? Oh my God. Finding Drago. Uh, and now as well, Cameron James Acosta that has done Why Is Cats too. So a massive movie podcast mogul. He hit us up. And he's like, I heard about your idea and I love it. We should make it happen. And we were like, what idea? <laughs> Which one is that? 
Yeah. Who now? Uh, but the, so yeah, then we were like, okay, so we recorded a bunch of demos and it kind of worked out and then we got really excited about it. And then now 18 months later, here we are every week watching the movies we said that we would never watch. Uh, <laughs> uh, is your but life that's... better for it? No, it's not. It sucks and I hate it. Uh, <laughs> yes. No, that's a total yes. lie. No, honestly, I wish I could say like, yeah, these movies stink and I hate them all and we were right. Honestly, it's been so good, like, getting, I guess, an education in cinema, but, like, on our own terms, like, mm. and also mm. kind of learning to understand these men and their relationships with movies and, but also at the same time, not standing down from how we feel about them and getting more confident in our voices and be like, yeah, like this, I've never been, as a woman, I think I've ever been raised to have a dialogue or an opinion about cinema and now I'm finding that voice and me and Alex are finding what we like and we don't like and how it's important to us. And it's, it's really freaking cool. And also our fans are so great. Oh my God. We have some of the best freaking listeners ever. They are so lovely and so attentive and they teach us things about movies and we teach them things about movies. And it's like just a really nice community that we've created. And I love it. Mm. Is that too gushy? Sorry. I went on for no. no, that's brilliant. No, it's lovely. But really, like it, it's a wonderful. Oh, you're all. Yeah. Now it's a great show to listen to because, oh, Philip, you're Philip. It's it's a great show to listen to because it's wonderful hearing hearing you guys experience some of these films. The, the you know a lot of us have grown up watching some of these movies and certainly like my I'd, I'd say probably my favorite episode of your show is the one where you had Rove on to do Back to the Future. Um, and a lot of that is because Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. So hearing you guys talk about it was, was really interesting. And just it, it's that whole thing of, you know, when when someone, you know, gets to experience something for the first time that you've already had. Like, I, I get excited when someone I know reads or watches Harry Potter for the first time. That That's because I, I just go, how did you get to this point in your life without experiencing that? And and then I get to live vicariously through them and, and get to see how they go through it for the first time. I don't care if they like it or hate it. And that's the thing where I love with your show. I, I love it when you like something, but I love it when you rip something apart. And I love it when you rip something apart that I love because then I get to go, okay, you don't like it because A, B, C, D, and E, or you have a problem with this or that. And mm. I go, cool, what a different way of looking at it. Because obviously I'm I'm usually just uh, thinking about my opinion of it or talking mm. with like-minded people about it. It's nice to hear the discussion from the other end of it. Yeah, yeah. It, because generally Phil and I tend to like the same movies. I sometimes, we have a lot of... No, I find that I sometimes have... I end up being nicer to something that I truly hate because Drew's such a sweetheart about it. <laughs> oh, oh, I see how it is. Now, now the truth comes out. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. And yet I will one day convert you to Wes Anderson films. No. One day. Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa. Wait a second. What? That's that's hot mess right there. Not so a fan. Philip doesn't get... like Wes Anderson films we... purely because of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Not purely because. I don't like most of his films because I find them really, just really bizarre and weirdly shot. And then, then there is the Fantastic Mr. Fox issue, which is my favorite childhood book which I think he basically <laughs> took his pants down and took a dump on Roald Dahl's work. So, yeah, there are elements of, of um, 
Wes Anderson that My I'm goodness. Yeah. Guys, can yeah, we he, get through on one it. podcast where we don't talk about how much Phil hates Wes Anderson? Because I feel like we talk about this every other week. It's because and the fact that I've never watched Indiana me. Jones. I feel like we just talk about this a lot. No, the problem is <laughs> Wait, Drew Bianca, hold first. on, hold on, hold on. I, no, 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 I want to talk to Bianca. Bianca, so Jennifer. you've never seen Indiana Jones. Have these boys, you can say we're in a safe space, have these boys shamed you for not seeing Indiana <laughs> Jones and do I need to pull them aside? There are many movies they've shamed me for not watching because I, uh, I haven't watched oh, a bro. lot of old Phil. school movies. You well, bring me I on this podcast, before. but you do not respect my values <laughs> or my morals. No, I, I laughed. I laughed because I completely agree and I would like to change my ways because I'm exactly the sort of guy that you are referring Thank to. Thank you. Drew and I yeah. both are. Drew, Drew, who is oh, your yes. number one advocate, is also exactly... Yes, Drew, sometimes you have accidentally cornered me in uh, the eating area and at our not work. Yes. Of course. Of Drew is probably the worst at trying to convince you to watch something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I try to convince everyone to watch everything, even if it's ter- oh no, except on the handful of movies that are just too too terrible to ever mm-hmm. be viewed. Mm-hmm. But yes, because I get excited for them. For you guys on the on the Zoom call who can see behind me four bookcases worth of movies, DVDs, Blu-rays, VHS. There, it's, actually, this Drew, is my Drew, life. <laughs> Drew, you have to pause there because a very funny anecdote on the fact that Drew just moved out of, out of his way to look at his bookshelf. Oh, God, yes. The other day when we were testing the Zoom call with our recordings, um, <laughs> we were putting up backgrounds up because it would be hilarious. <laughs> and oh, Drew, you can do Drew put up the background. Yeah, you can do backgrounds. Now, oh. Drew put up the oh. background that we can see, which is the background from um, Blue's Clues. <gasps> Blue's Clues, yeah. Oh, my now, God. Now, what's yeah. brilliant is, so, Drew, look over at your bookshelf for me. And tell me what, yes. to us, it looks like Drew is looking and having a conversation with Blue on the screen, the dog from Blue's Clues, over his left-hand shoulder. Now, to me, he was just looking at his bookshelf and referring to movies, and I was just for ages was trying to work out why he's talking to Blue, and then I realised he was talking to me, and that he God. was looking at his bookshelf, so I got very confused, and I, I found that brilliant, and probably my favourite thing that Drew's done in a amazing. long time. Amazing. This is incredible. Yeah. Hey, you, Drew's got now, he's, you've changed your background to Arthur. Which I think mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, I'm, I'm going off a little bit. Well, not really going off topic here. Um, uh, Shit's Creek. Has everyone watched Shit's Creek? Yep. I love uh, Shit's yes. Creek, yeah, and I've okay. watched it three times. Brilliant so, fucking show. Um, so David's uh, fiance. Um, I, yeah. I can't remember the actor's name. He was no, the uh, voice of Franklin Reed. the Turtle. Yeah. So yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool. So I, it's oh. one of those um, Ontario um, uh, Canadian uh, cartoons yeah. that the, are that are produced. Like, Nel Nel Yeah. Yeah. The the educational yeah. well, educational. I put in quotes. Um, but he was the voice yeah. of Franklin. Um, wow. which I, yeah, I found really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. What could Franklin do? He could tie his shoes and count to two, something like that. Something like that. I'm, I am, I am in my early forties, and uh, yes, uh, I didn't really watch Franklin. I did watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they came around the first time. Yes, um, I, I was a big, I was a big fan of 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 that. So especially the the voice actors in that. So. Um, yeah, Ninja there's a little bit of Ninja mm. that's yeah. the one. Heroes in a hat that's show. the one. I, I like that. I I appreciate anecdotes, <laughs> and that is a very good anecdote, Matt. That is that's a good one. 
Like, yes. That's wonderful. Now no. I know that. I didn't know that before. That's going to change the way I watch the show. Yeah, I'm just going to think of Franklin now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, in the in the interest of of uh, Philip and I improving ourselves, Beck, when we see a movie and we would like to encourage someone to consider taking a look at it, what would be a very good approach for us to use? Um, hmm, I would say your mother would. Hmm, let me carefully think about this. Mm. So, what I would about say no if, means if, no? Uh, <laughs> it, that's that's a, that's yeah. base. Yeah, yeah if people you if know, people say no. Please don't talk to me about this yeah. movie. No, in that case, definitely no shut it down. No. Um, yeah. In a more subtle it's, way, it's simple, like you're funny, but no, True. but but like, but if you say you've just seen this this movie, whether it's new or old or whatever, and and you go, mm. um, like you would like to recommend a movie to someone, what what is a good way of recommending that someone consider taking a look at a film? I think. Uh, cap it at a 25-word synopsis. And if they (laughs) are (laughs) not interested from there, they're like, oh, cool, I'll check it out. If it's that response... So you literally just give them them the log line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they don't ask what streaming platform it's available on, don't follow up. They don't want to know anymore. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. I tend I to send the, people the If they the enthusiastic, like, oh my god, tell me more. Yeah. Who's in it? For enthusiastic question. Same with consent. Enthusiasm. It's got to be there. <laughs> Run on. But after the twenty-five word synopsis, if they're like, cool, I'll yeah. check it out. Leave it. Yeah, Leave it from it. there. Just okay. enjoy it in All your right. own I time. T- Hold it in your heart and have that special moment between you and a movie, which <laughs> is important and is special. But not everyone needs to know about it. Mm. No, I get that. I love it, and I'm on board with it. I'm glad. I'm glad Thank you, you. get it. But this is the this is the learning curve for Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh just, yeah. yeah, it's okay. It'll I take agree. time. It'll take time. Just as long as you don't hurt anyone when, in the process of learning, mm. you take as much time as you need. God bless. So when I was ten years old, we had uh, in our our class at school. It was year five. We had. Uh, two minute talks on whatever topic you wanted. Yeah, and all, I every see where this is going, in, and I love it. Every every child in the class had their parents come in for it, so all the parents were sitting in there for all the kids presenting to the whole class. And I did a talk on animation, and I had a zoetrope there to present and and everything. And my two minute talk became a ten minute talk. Uh, or 10 to 15 minutes apparently and my teacher who was an absolute dick made fun of me for it and my parents are, yeah, are but... giving me the look from from the back going come on like, wrap it up like, come on come on but it i i learned there and then i was like okay i should try and rein in my my enthusiasm a little bit however it did pay off because some of the parents uh, came to me and my parents afterwards and went He's so interested. We've got all these film books. Here you go. Kind of paid off. Little little payoff, but but that's not the the point of it. The point of being, I need to learn to rein it all in because the, the, this is an the sheer enthusiasm over film, which is fair because it's a fun thing to be enthusiastic. This was just this was just animation. <laughs> but yes, yes. or start a movie podcast of your own. Put all the opinions there. Everyone's doing it. It's very true. It's very Everyone true. has we, a podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's the, the world, world we live in. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. We keep we keep talking about film a lot in our podcast, but we 
we are not specifically a film podcast and we've done we've got a youtube channel just sitting there doing our film reviews once in a blue moon let's not talk about it's a little tricky moving on no it's a little tricky (laughs) when when you're at the other end of the world yes it's true it is it is true why can we have zoom just put backgrounds up um we could do that yes exactly right exactly right yes um We'll get back know. to that at another date, Drew, that, that yes. channel in particular. <laughs> um, look, I think, guys, because we've now crossed over into, on my screen, the hour mark. Um, yes. Don't yes. take too much of your time up because you guys are wonderful people and you've been kind enough to give us your time. Um, what we should do now, Drew, is award our prestigious award, um, the Sick Kent of the Week, I think. Indeed. Now, Drew, who, who is our winner this week? <laughs> Who's our sick Kent of the week? Yeah. Who's the sickest um, Kent out there? Who is the... Well, this week there's two of them. There and are. they're in the Zoom call with us. Oh! Yeah. True and fair. Congratulations. That was fun to see. the two of us are not allowed to win the award um, based on rules that we set from the very beginning. But no, instead... Matt I like that. and Beck, congratulations. You are the winners of this week's Sick Kent of the Week. Oh. At the moment, there is absolutely... Oh. There's no prize for it at the moment, but there will be in the future eventually when we get our shit together. So, probably never, but yeah. So, I'm just picturing <laughs> them wow. putting posters up for some show they've got going, Sick Kent of the Week winner. Hold on, for my sure. Sick Kent of the Week is yeah. in my Twitter bio. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Look, oh, well, we appreciate it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Look, I'll, I'll happily put it on my agent's website in my bio. Well, um, I was gonna, nice. I was gonna say, um, awarded with, six with, with Kent of the week, week winner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, see, look, it's a good prize to have. No one knows what it means, but look, it could no. be something great. It could be nothing. But Kent likes that there's an award named after him. Yes, Kent does. <laughs> and let's say now, let's not just in fear of giving Kent away. Let's not say any more on Kent. Mm. Um, now, uh, as winners, you've got some before um, we cut you off and stop you from talking. Um, you've got some time to plug if you want to plug. Matt, would you like to plug first, seeing as Beck started last time, and as, as Beck said, ladies first, so technically you're up. Uh, look, I, I don't have anything to plug at the moment, only because coronavirus has shut everything down. Um, pretty much all the studios have, have been closed, so I, I haven't uh, I haven't seen anything. I have done a couple of uh, auditions here and there. Um, uh, one of them I'm still still waiting to hear on uh, is a Great. Netflix uh, yeah. co-pro with Flying Bark Studios. Um, oh, nice. Mm, yeah. yeah, so that's that's an animated film. Um, it, look, it may have gone away. These things happen, but that would that would be the thing that's that's on the, the horizon at the moment. Otherwise, no. It's it's very awesome. it's very quiet. Um, there's there's not a lot going on. I, I'm, My fingers are crossed for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that does turn around yeah. soon. Thank you. I mean, hopefully, being Mente. called a sick Kent might you know drive some work my way <laughs> oh my god he got sick head of the week get him on <laughs> yeah that's it. it that's it future that's future it. leaders will all have sick kent of the week awards it's just a given oh. well that's the hope oh yes and beck yourself yes uh or me uh you can find me at beck loves food on instagram and of course i have the ladies guide to do cinema podcast with alex j you can find that on spotify itunes and wherever else you find podcasts um audition wise I just had an audition for my car, which is a mechanics change. 
for the role yeah. of quirky mechanic. So hey. um, if anyone knows who's in charge of that, if you could put my name a little bit forward in the line, I would really appreciate that. Um, well, but that's they all I have are to avid listeners of the podcast, so yeah, they will yeah. obviously mm-hmm, hear this mm-hmm. and um, Give you the job, and, and also, yeah. and also, now you've got the sick end of the week. So again, it's going to help you out. Like, you, you hopefully, it really it toes me across the line. Yes, that was a mechanics joke. I can do all kinds of mechanic puns. Please give me the job. I need the money. <laughs> yes. My God. I love um, that pun. Well, as just before we wrap up, we do have to get to what the quote that segment that we all love and adore where. Phil reads out a quote and then hopefully someone in the audience gets it or maybe they just kind of, as opposed to reaching out to us and telling us that they get it, like this week's one, they just kind of sit there and go, yeah, I know that that quote, yeah. Anyway, last week's quote, which was, (laughs) here's a red letter day in the history of science, November 5th, 1955. Yes, of course, November 5th, 1955. That, if you didn't know, was by Doc Brown from... Back to the Future, speaking of Back to the Future from earlier. Yes, I knew that it, was I knew it, quote. I just didn't say it. I knew it, though. Yeah, did you? Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, I'm proud the of look you. in her eyes, yeah. she knew. Yeah, good, good, I'm glad, I'm proud of you, thank you very much. Um, well, there you go, that was the quote from last week, hopefully you got it listening at home, if you didn't, it's perfectly fine. Just go out and watch Back to the Future, okay? It's so, like, you need to go and watch, there's so many movies, I can't believe you haven't watched Back, see what I'm doing there, Beck? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm being Drew, basically. Um, no, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, look, everyone paid out on me at the start. It's my turn to give it to someone else. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, it <laughs> kind of seems like to me like male movie fragility. Maybe there's a thesis in that somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I promise I'm not that bad. I'm bad, but not that bad. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, not that bad compared to, yeah. you know, yeah, Drew. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh. I'm going to go watch my movies now. Anyway, on with the show. Um, of course, if for this week's quote, which I will deliver in just a moment, if you know it, reach out to us, Cat Street, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you want to reach out to us on our SoundCloud or give us a review on uh, Spotify or even Apple Podcasts or any podcast directory that you find it. Really, we don't check them, so it doesn't really matter where you leave the comment. Just reach out to us. Facebook's pre- pre- preferable. We always check that one. Um, but no, this week's quote is, Hey... Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> That's it. That's the quote. Reach out to us. Thank you very much for that quote. Thank you very much, um, team, for being here. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you very much, Beck. Thank you very much, Bianca. Thank you very much, Drew. Thank you, Linesman. Thank you, Ball Boys. Exactly. Thank you. Thank Correct. you. Thank you. Uh, now, Thanks for having Drew, us. Leave... No, no, more than happy to have you. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime. Same with you, Matt. Thank, thank you. you. It's, no, it's a thank long you. time coming. It has been. Yes. You have been asking me for about two years now. Yeah. Oh my God! It's been. It's that, been that yeah, long. Geez. It's been two years. Yeah. Wow. So um. Now yeah. see, see, Beck, we're good at doing two things: telling people to watch movies and nagging to come on to come on the podcast. <laughs> well, yes. you've done both to me, so I feel very blessed. <laughs> yeah. See, look, Beck, you know, we're, we're, we're going we're... to need. Oh, go on. No, I was going to say, look, we're inclusive of everyone. We we beg everyone. We're desperate. For yes, it. and and mm. on that note, Beck, we will need you back with Alex sometime. Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, she'd love to love to come on and chat. Hey, oh, thanks, guys. I'll uh, send her a letter and let her know what's up. <laughs> and and Matt, like don't it. be a stranger. You are also more than welcome uh, back anytime. Uh, it's 
been fascinating delving into both of your worlds. Yes, mm. we thank you. Um, now, Drew, let's end this podcast. Drew, how do we end that podcast? Yep. Yep.